From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That's 2 Corinthians 3.17, the theme verse of this year's National Day of Prayer. Where is the nation spiritually on this 70th anniversary of the National Day of Prayer? Well, Dr. Ben Carson, former Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, uh, joins us in just a moment. And how do we need to be praying for our nation? And is religious freedom imperiled by the policies coming out of Washington, D.C. these days? We'll have that conversation with the head of the Southern Baptist Convention and former president of the National Day of Prayer, Dr. Ronnie Floyd. And a poll conducted by the University of Georgia reveals woke corporations are taking a hit for their opposition to Georgia's election reform laws. Will this alter their behavior, uh, these left Leaning corporations, will they change going forward, or is much, is uh, more pushback needed? Georgia Congressman Barry Loudermilk joins us for that conversation. And finally, an unnecessary and unhelpful battle is taking place among Republicans in the House of Representatives. What is it, and why does it matter? I'll talk about it a little bit later here on Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Uh, if you're on the free speech platform of Ga- Gab, it is at Tony underscore Perkins. Pretty easy to remember. Uh, by the way, some resources for you at the website, TonyPerkins.com. Yesterday, we were talking about the uh, the Biden administration's American Families Plan, which uh, actually is coming in a tad bit more than what they had projected at the $1.8 trillion level mark. Add another $7 billion, and maybe that's a little closer to what it's going to cost. But to give you kind of an analysis of what this plan does, why you should be concerned about it, well, we've got that for you at TonyPerkins.com, an analysis of the American Families Plan and where that money is going to go and how this is really leading and pushing for earlier childhood indoctrination. If you missed yesterday's program, you might want to go back and look at the archived versions and look at that. We're going to continue uh, to talk about the components of this plan because there is a uh, an intense effort to indoctrinate our children at earlier and earlier ages. And as we talked about earlier in this week with George Barna, when you realize worldview is is formed between the ages of 18 months and 13 years, Parents need to be teaching their children, spending time with their children, not farming them out to a government program. All right, today is the 70th anniversary of the National Day of Prayer. It dates back to 1952. It was created by a joint resolution of Congress and signed into law by President Harry Truman. The National Day of Prayer exists to communicate with every individual the need for personal repentance and prayer and to equip and mobilize the Christian community to intercede for America's leaders and its families. If you go back to the creation in the 50s, that's when the Cold War was going on and we didn't know what the future would hold. Well, in many ways, we're still there. We don't know what the future holds. We've just gone through a traumatic year uh, and the nation needs prayer. And when you look at the state of religious freedom in this country, 
America needs prayer. Well, joining me now to talk more about this, giving us some insight uh, on the status of the health of the nation uh, is Dr. Ben Carson, the world-renowned neurosurgeon, former U.S. Secretary of the Department of Housing and Urban Development, and now founder of the American Cornerstone Institute. Dr. Carson, welcome back to the program. Well, thank you. It's always great to be with you. And uh, as I was listening to you talking there, thinking about how rapidly things are, in fact, changing uh, in our nation, I think most people are kind of like uh, deer caught in the headlights because it was really sort of a bait and switch uh, during the election. You know, uh, it was thought that uh, President Biden was going to be a moderate. And, and in fact, uh, he is way over on the left side. And uh, the reason that they abandoned Bernie Sanders is they thought that somebody that far to the left could not be elected. So uh, it was a definite bait and switch. And I, I think the American people uh, recognize what has happened to them. But I think that's also the reason that they're moving so swiftly uh, to try to get as much done as they possibly can before uh, people recognize what's going on. Uh, what you mentioned about, you know, the the, the family plan uh, and some of these other bills that they're going to be putting forth is really somewhat alarming because uh, the amount of money that we are borrowing is staggering. It's it's almost unimaginable, and that of course is exactly what needs to happen. Uh, in order for them to justify massive taxation mm-hmm. exactly. and uh, redistribution of the wealth. So, you know, it's it's all going according to their plans, and it's one of the reasons that we need to be praying right now because, you know, the radical element has more control than they've had in quite some time, and uh, we need some intervention uh, by God as well as brave individuals. Uh, Courage is going to be the key that will preserve freedom in this country. If people are not courageous, our freedom will be lost. But if they are, we will be able to withstand uh, the things that are going on right now. Well, you mentioned the uh, the bait and switch that took place. And I mean, uh, too bad the consumer protection laws don't apply to politics because they certainly <laughs> uh, did pull a fast one. And But I think, Dr. Carson, that um, this has gotten people's attention, maybe a little too late. Uh, but like the, the, I was uh, honored to join you earlier today for a National Day of Prayer call. And, and, and we had thousands of people join that call. I think there is an urgency, a sense of urgency, and people are wanting to pray. They're wanting to know how they can make a difference. And so it does begin with prayer. And I think you saw that in the uh, Trump administration, the, the number of people praying for a country. And I think that explains why we were able to get so much done. The courage mixed with the prayers resulted in some uh, remarkable uh, achievements. Well, there there were multiple occasions during the previous administration uh, that yourself and many other faith leaders uh, came to the Oval Office, prayed with and for the president, prayed with and for our country. And, uh, you know, those things were very much appreciated. I think they made a big impression upon the president. Some people say, no, but he's so mean. And, of course, 
uh, can imagine what it'd be like if we didn't have the prayers. <laughs> What's going on? But uh, I think I think those kinds of things really make us stop and think about our Judeo-Christian roots, our foundations, and really those were the things that that made us a successful country. The fact that people were willing to work together, uh, you know, to to work with your neighbor, to love your neighbor. Uh, not necessarily to be a hundred percent in agreement with your neighbor about everything, but that completely isn't necessary. If two people believe the same about everything, one of them isn't necessary and everybody is necessary. So, you know, let's cultivate a healthy respect for other people's opinion. You know, even these wild, uh, leftist radicals, I, I don't begrudge them, uh, their opinion. They're welcome to that opinion. What I do begrudge is them trying to shut up everybody else so that other sides can't be heard, so that people can't make a fair judgment about what they believe. Yeah, Dr. Carson, I'm, I'm grateful that uh, the Biden administration, the president, put out a proclamation today for the National Day of Prayer, actually put out last night. And, and this is going to sound critical, and it's not intended to be critical. It's just an observation. I mean, one of the things that was remarkable about the Trump administration were the was the clarity to which he spoke to issues. And there was no hiding. And of course, you're a prime example of this. You never hid your faith, uh, even as the role of secretary. You were criticized for it, but you never hid it. But in this proclamation, we don't even mention God. Uh, there's no mention of a God. Uh, I, I just want to quote uh, one of the paragraphs. It says, Today we remember and celebrate the role that the healing bomb of prayer can play in our lives and in the life of our nation. As we continue to confront the crisis and challenges of our time, from a deadly pandemic to the loss of lives and livelihood in, the wake, in its wake, to a reckoning on racial justice to the existential threat of climate change, Americans of faith can call upon the power of prayer to provide hope and uplift us uh, for the work ahead. I mean, again, I'm not wanting to be critical, but we don't call upon the power of prayer. We use prayer to call upon the power of God. Oh, God. <laughs> That's exactly right. And, you know, there there have always been people who tried to diminish uh, God in our nation. And so many of the historians and other people have said that our founders weren't really uh, ardent believers in God. They were deists, uh, which are people who believe that maybe there is a God, but he has nothing to do with the affairs of men. And uh, all you have to do is go back and read some of the writings of some of those founders. You know, Adams said that, you know, our system was designed for a religious people was woolly inadequate for any others. Read about all of uh, George Washington's prayers, the things that Benjamin Franklin had to say, even Thomas Jefferson. And, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is, it's our relationship with God has been the thing that made this into a great country that really distinguished us from the others. And I think which, which allowed us to receive enormous blessings from God. And that's what took us from, you know, a bunch of ragtag militiamen to the pinnacle of the world. Now we're kind of treading water. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, th I think it's, you know, questionable which direction we're going to go in. Uh, but I believe that the majority of people in our country, even though the latest statistics show only 46% of people identify 
with a church anymore. Uh, I'm not sure that's a completely accurate statement. It depends on how you ask that question. Do you believe in God? Do you have a relationship with God? Which is a very different question than whether or not you're affiliated with a specific church. And there are a lot of people who have a deep relationship with God, but uh, aren't necessarily connected to a church. Yeah, I think part of that, uh, Dr. Carson, is that some churches have become more influenced by the culture than committed to influencing the culture with the truth. And people just say, you know, what's the point? Um, and, and, and they're finding other places, especially in the wake of the virus. Many people have connected with Bible preaching churches online and have dropped out of some of the denominational churches. That's exactly right. And, you know, I belong to a couple of groups uh, and, you know, we continue to grow and have very good relationships. Uh, and I think that's probably happening to a lot of groups uh, electronically, and that will continue to be the case. Yeah. So uh, we just need to, to push the idea of godly principles and, on people. And encourage people to pray, to encourage people to come together to pray for the nation in small groups in their churches, uh, wherever. Uh, Dr. Carson, uh, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining thank us you. today. And, and thank you for staying in the battle for the heart and soul of our nation and not, you know, checking out, saying, I've done my time, I'm moving on. You're still in the battle, and we're grateful yeah, for absolutely. it. Absolutely. And thank you for uh, participating this morning in the National Prayer Call. It was fantastic what you had to say. Happy to do it. Dr. Ben Carson, to find out more about what he's doing, check out the website, TonyPerkins.com, and you can follow the links over. Congressman Barry Loudermilk from Georgia joins us next. Stick around. More Washington Watch to come. What is Roe versus Wade and what did it do? The Supreme Court's 1973 decision ruled that abortion is protected under the U.S. Constitution, striking down many state abortion restrictions and severely limiting the extent to which states could write their own abortion laws. The Supreme Court's limitations on states to legislate abortion restrictions depends on the trimester of a pregnancy. For instance, Roe disallows states from restricting abortions in the first trimester, but allows some restrictions on abortions in the third trimester. What Roe doesn't do is require states to have any restrictions. Abortion through all nine months of pregnancy is the default, unless Congress or the individual states pass laws restricting it. That leaves a lot of room for unrestricted abortions. For a full explanation of how Roe v. Wade liberalized abortion laws, go to frc.org explainer. That's frc.org explainer. After the recent wave of media censorship, are you struggling to find a conservative, relevant, and Christian platform where you can find out what's really going on? Here at Family Research Council, we believe that Americans have a right to exercise their freedom of speech and share their stories with the world. If you're ready to hear the facts that the left doesn't want you to know about, then head over to frcblog.com to check out our latest blog posts. We cover a wide range of issues you and your family care about, all written by our policy, government affairs, and biblical worldview experts. We discuss topics that other media platforms won't, like changes in pro-life policy, current events that affect Christians internationally, sexuality from a biblical perspective, and insights into the bigger picture of the shift in American culture. 
To stay up to date on current news related to faith, family, and freedom, visit frcblog.com. That's frcblog.com. Would you like to spend more time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible with their Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. This reading plan takes you through the Bible as events happen in history. Laying out the scripture every day in an engaging manner, it is key to helping us stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start reading today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So good to have you with us. On Tuesday, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, together with uh, Georgia Representatives Barry Loudermilk and Drew Ferguson, held a press conference at a suburban Atlanta restaurant and were joined by several business owners who shared their situation in light of Major League Baseball's decision to pull the All-Star Game out of Georgia. Well, I I wish Major League Baseball... Uh, would learn the lesson from this, to, to not make a rash decision, to make informed decisions, to read the bills before they make judgment. This movement in this country about wokeness has got to stop. Um, we can disagree on things, but let's base it upon facts. With me now to talk about what he's heard from local business owners and the growing opposition to Major League Baseball, as well as the woke corporations there in Georgia that have spoken out in opposition to the election reform bills that the uh, governor signed into law is Barry Loudermilk, who represents Northwest Georgia's 11th congressional district. Barry, welcome back to the program. Tony, it's good to be with you. So what what are you hearing from the business owners there in terms of their view of Major League Baseball? Well, they're, they're incredibly disappointed just the week before they made the announcement I had put together a little luncheon with uh, some of the businesses that happened to be in the area of Truist Park. And a lot of these business owners there are owners of businesses that, you know, they support tourism or the uh, the convention industry. And they have been devastated uh, by the, the COVID pandemic. And they were really looking forward to the All-Star Game as that one event that would kind of catapult them back into the game, per se. I mean, they they had lost so much money. This was the one thing that was going to put them back uh, in business again. And I remember as we were talking about, you know, the the issues of business and how they've struggled and uh, all that we've been trying to work together on, they said, well, at least we have the All-Star Game coming up. And one of the business owners said, well, we're hearing that they may move it over their take on the Georgia election law. And pretty much the consensus was, well, they're not going to do this because, first of all, it doesn't do what the left is saying it does. And second of all, Major League Baseball has been pretty apolitical. But just a couple of days later, they made the announcement, which has been devastating 
to a lot of businesses there. And they are frustrated. They're already frustrated with the federal government because they're, they can't compete with the government paying people to stay at home more than they can afford to have them come to work. And then for Major League Baseball to stick its nose in something like this based on false information has really significantly hurt a lot of businesses. Like I said, this was going to be the thing that put them back into business again after losing so much uh, during COVID. And the irony here is a lot of these businesses were minority-owned businesses. They pull out, they go to Denver, and there are very, very few minority-owned businesses there uh, in Denver. So it's uh, it, it does not add up. And I think the voters are saying through this, a poll by the University of Georgia found roughly that 54% of registered Georgia voters opposed uh, the April decision to move the event to uh, Denver. And And it was interesting, though, Uh, Barry, that it doesn't stop just with the Major League Baseball because, you know, Delta stuck their nose into this. Uh, So did uh, Coke, uh, Diet Woke. I I, I quit drinking it. I'm uh, now doing the off-brand. 60% of Georgia's opposed companies using their public role to shape political opinion and promote cultural change. 86% of Republicans, 55% of Independents, and about 56% of Democrats saying the same thing. Basically saying, look, if you make widgets, make widgets, leave the uh, public policy to the politicians. Exactly. And it used to be, and you know this, Tony, when your time in the state legislature and my time in state legislature and in Congress is, for most part, businesses were mostly interested in tax policy and regulatory policy and trade. That was it. That's where they engaged in, in uh, politics. But we're seeing a growth in businesses that are getting involved in social issues um, and they're they're following this woke movement and and the cancel culture, and a lot of that is based on false information, just like you saw in Georgia. The information that came out that that President Biden uh, came out with the the bill does not do. It was false information that was fed to them by the left and their talking points. And I mean, it should have been an embarrassment uh, for the the occupant of the White House to get four Pinocchios by Washington Post. You know how liberal Washington Post is for them to even come out and say the president was I think four Pinocchios is the highest rating that they can give with him saying that this was equated to Jim Crow laws. This is crazy. All the, the Georgia law does is it makes it easier to vote, harder to cheat, and it it further expanded voting availability beyond what many of the other states, including uh, New York, where Major League Baseball is located. It, 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 it further expanded beyond what New York allows for their voting. So it's, it's, it's crazy. And, yes, most people, and I would say if you, if you polled the Georgians specifically in northwest Georgia area, Around Tourist Park is going to be in the 80 percent that are opposed to Major League Baseball moving the All-Star game. Uh, Barry Laudermack, let me ask you one final question. Is this going to I mean, I know from my days in the legislature, businesses, uh, business, big business had lobbyists there because they wanted to make sure they had good regulation, tax policy. Mostly they were concerned about policy that affected them. Of course, now they've gone way beyond that uh, with their, as you said, their woke agenda. Is this going to backfire on them in state legislatures and in Congress where uh, they may not find favorable standing with those conservative lawmakers any longer? Well, it very well could. If you look at Delta, you brought up Delta. 
when I was in the state legislature, almost every year, the final bill that we would work on, well, the a bill that we work on usually in the final day, was a tax exemption for Delta Airlines for their fuel purchases at Atlanta Hartsfield Airport. The law is carefully crafted to where only Delta gets this tax break. It, it's it's written in such a way that you have to be an airline based in Georgia with a hub here and you fly so many aircraft, et cetera. It's always controversial because Democrats have been opposed to them getting this tax break. Um, Republicans have usually gone on and, and, and voted to give them this tax break. Only Delta gets this tax break from the legislature and it's the, the governor has been pushing it for them. For them to come out the last day of session and do what they did, it's caused a lot of people in the state legislature to question whether they need to go back uh, in the special session that we're going to be having uh, for redistricting and maybe readdress yeah. this tax break because the money that that, it, that is derived from uh, aviation fuel cells in Georgia goes to rural airport development. And a lot of these airports could use a lot of that money to help with their economic development. So you may Very, see something happen that way. All right. We're going to watch that closely. Got to leave it there. Out of time. Thanks so much for joining us. Where do you get your news? Do you have confidence you're getting the full truth? If you want to stay up to date on conservative news and are looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged, then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent radio programs, social media posts, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. Stay informed with a trusted source. Again, search Stand Firm to download the Stand Firm app. As the political and cultural landscape of our nation has shifted in a concerning direction, it is so important for Christians to be equipped with biblical answers for the difficult questions of our time. That is why Family Research Council created our Biblical Worldview series. With the political left changing definitions to favor their narrative and to push their agenda, at times it can be hard to decipher what is true. That is why we must hold to the truth of the Bible, which stands the test of time. It holds the truth that does not change. Become equipped to stand firm in the face of cultural and political storms with FRC's Biblical Worldview series. This series dives deep into what the Bible says about some of the most crucial issues of our day. You'll learn what the Bible teaches on abortion, same-sex marriage, the separation of church and state, religious freedom, and the age-old question, should Christians be involved in politics? To access this series, visit frc.org worldview. That's frc.org worldview. This is Washington Watch, and I am your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us today. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Let me remind you, lots of resources there for you on the website, TonyPerkins.com. Have analysis of the 
American Families Plan put out by the Biden administration. You can take a look at that. Also, our prayer guide as we talk about the National Day of Prayer. In fact, uh, coming up in just a few moments, Dr. Ronnie Floyd is going to be joining us, former president of the National Day of Prayer. Uh, by the way, the Washington Watch audience continues to expand. In addition to the nearly 800 radio stations carrying Washington Watch, we now have a video version on his channel. And uh, starting this week, Liftable TV. Just find out how you can watch Washington Watch and other solid biblical worldview programming. Go to TonyPerkins.tv. That's TonyPerkins.tv. Now, you may have caught recent headlines like this one. Battle between Republican leaders Cheney and McCarthy reaching boiling point. Or there was this one. Trump House GOP leaders endorse Elise Stefanik to replace Liz Cheney. Many are asking, what's this all about? And does it matter? Well, I've spoken to some of these Republican leaders, and I can give you some insight into what it is about. I'll also share with you why this matters for the GOP and as a result for the country. These are the issues that will shape the party and significantly influence whether or not the Republicans regain a congressional majority in 2022. Liz Cheney has angered conservatives by not only embracing, but echoing the left's attacks on President Trump and being one of the 10 House members who voted to impeach him in January. At issue for me is Cheney's role as the chairman of the Republican conference in the House, which is a leadership role. There's just a handful of leaders. Now, in this leadership role, she hosts the Republican meetings in the House, and she shapes and communicates the party's message to the GOP members of the House. It is an important post, as it shapes the messaging of priorities and the purpose of all the Republican members that the public eventually hears about. It, will, it was not just her impeachment vote, but her continued criticism of former President Trump and her criticism of those who questioned the tainted election results that has raised the ire of so many people. Now, I disagreed with her impeachment vote, but she is a member of Congress and she alone has to decide how she votes as the elected representative of the voters of Wyoming. I'll leave that to the voters of her state to take care of. But where it becomes my concern is, again, her leadership role in representing Republicans and Republican priorities. Addressing the election irregularities that I believe altered the outcome of the November election is a priority for conservatives. It has to be. If election irregularities were not an issue, there would not be over 350 bills introduced in the legislatures of 47 states to fix the myriad problems that surfaced in November. So she's wrong on that. She is at the center of shaping the message that Republican voters will hear, which will influence how they vote. Conservative voters will approach this next election with a level of enthusiasm based upon their confidence in what the Republican leaders are saying and doing. Now, this is where President Trump raised the bar for conservative support. Milk toast politicians are no longer acceptable. Conservative voters want bold leaders who will pursue an aggressive conservative agenda, like what is outlined in the GOP party platform. Now, on the issues, Cheney actually has a really good record. She is 100 percent with FRC action. According to reports, she votes. Oh, she voted over 92 percent of the time with President Trump. But this unnecessary feud with the former president and his supporters is not only unnecessary, but it also puts the GOP's ability to retake the House at risk. Now, having said that, the solution being offered is the wrong one. 
Former President Trump has endorsed Elise Stefanik of New York as Cheney's replacement. The reason? Well, Stefanik did an outstanding job defending Trump during his first impeachment, and she did not take the bait and turn on the president when he was impeached a second time. For all of that, she is to be commended. The concerns, though, with Stefanik are her positions on what are core conservative issues. As opposed to Cheney voting 92.9% of the time with Trump, according to 538, Stefanik only voted 77% of the time with the president's policies. And Stefanik's lifetime score with FRC action is even less, at 70.6%. Do the Republicans really want someone shaping their political and policy messages to their members and by extension to the voters that was only with President Trump's agenda three-quarters of the time? Stefanik's milquetoast conservatism could signal a shift away from a two-decade-long trend toward more solidly conservative congressional leaders. As the Republican caucus has become more devoted to conservative policies and ideals, the enthusiasm and activism among conservative voters has increased significantly. Why? Because bold, clearly defined leaders inspire. Leaders who do not equivocate on core conservative values inculcate voters with the hope that things don't have to stay like they are, that they can, in fact, be changed. The not-so-secret secret behind President Trump's success and unprecedented allegiance from conservatives was and is his pugnacious pushback against the left. Cheney has become a problem for the GOP, and it must be addressed. But Stefanik could become a problem that voters will address. And that's where I stand. trusted perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday by tuning into Washington Watch on the American Family Radio Network, Bot Radio, the KTLW Radio Network, and independent Christian radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com. Since the Supreme Court decided Roe v. Wade in 1973, over 60 million people are now missing from our country due to legalized abortion. Public opinion, our knowledge of law, and scientific advancements demonstrate that Roe should by no means be considered settled law. Roe is an abomination in our country's history, and it's time for the horrendous practice of legalized abortion to end. To learn more about the legal, historical, and cultural reasons to overturn Roe v. Wade, go to frc.org slash Roe. The Equality Act sounds like good legislation and something that ought to have bipartisan support, but it doesn't. Why? Because the Equality Act, paradoxically, would spur inequality. It is Trojan horse legislation that would hinder equality and would massively overhaul our federal civil rights framework. The stated purpose of the bill is to prohibit discrimination on the basis of sex, gender identity, 
and sexual orientation. The real effect of this bill would not be to eliminate discrimination, but to erase the freedom to hold a different opinion. The Equality Act would mandate government-imposed inequality by requiring acceptance of a particular ideology about sexual ethics, while leaving no room for legitimate public debate. Simply put, the Equality Act mandates an anti-life, anti-family, and anti-faith agenda throughout federal law and would be a disaster for all Americans. To learn more about the inequality of the Equality Act, visit frc.org slash Equality Act. Since June of 2015, over 12,000 Christians have been killed in Nigeria. This violence has reached a point at which experts are warning of a progressive genocide specifically targeting Christians across Africa's largest and most economically powerful nation. Yet this violence often goes unreported in the media, and if reported, is seriously downplayed. To learn more about what is actually taking place in Nigeria, along with other countries where Christians face persecution, visit frc.org slash Nigeria. Did you know that Planned Parenthood is the biggest abortion supplier in the U.S.? According to Planned Parenthood's most recent annual report, it committed 354,871 abortions in fiscal year 2019, up by over 9,000 abortions since 2018. According to these numbers, Planned Parenthood aborted 972 babies every single day. To learn more about what Planned Parenthood is really doing, visit frc.org slash Planned Parenthood facts. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Glad to have you with us on this Thursday afternoon. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you at TonyPerkins.com. In fact, we've got a prayer guide for you uh, to, uh, to help you as you pray for our nation. And as I mentioned at the top of the program, today is the National Day of Prayer, a day when Americans everywhere are encouraged to come together before God and pray. Pray for our nation, in particular, praying for the leadership of our nation, asking for guidance, guidance that only God can provide. You know, too often we forget that the help that we really need will never come from Washington, D.C. When you look at the headlines of what is happening across America and you reflect on what we've just gone through in the last 14, 15 months, The problems in America are bigger than what we as individuals can solve. In fact, they're bigger than what government could solve. I mean, that's why we're talking about these huge. I mean, prior to this year, the numbers we're talking about in terms of these bills that are being passed, like the families plan, 1.8 trillion, actually about 2.3 trillion. Uh, the infrastructure bill, another $2 trillion. Altogether, just in a period of a few weeks, we're talking about $6 trillion. That's more than the annual budget of our country. We think we can just throw more money at the problem and solve it. And the reality is we cannot. I think a lot of our problems we're facing, in some ways, I think is God's mercy by allowing us to get to a point where we... We just keep trying and trying, but we're not solving them. And I think God is hoping that we will turn to him. And we see this, we've seen this in our Bible reading program. For those of you that have been a part of this, two-year journey through the Bible, the Old Testament is just filled with these examples of God's mercy, just waiting for people to turn back to him. And he will forgive, and he will heal, and he will restore. 
Well, joining me now to talk more about this is Dr. Ronnie Floyd. He's the president of the Southern Baptist, Southern Baptist Convention's Executive Committee and a former president of the National Day of Prayer and also the former chairman of the Family Research Council. Dr. Floyd, welcome back to the program. Hey, thank you, Tony. Great to be with you. As you reflect on what the country has been through in the last year, and you've had a unique situation in watching this because prior to this last year, you were a pastor uh, in uh, in Arkansas, but you took over the post as the head of the Southern Baptist Executive Committee, and so you help pastors all across the nation, the, the nation's largest Protestant denomination. And so you see... Uh, from a different vantage point, a much greater vantage point, what is happening in our nation, how this is impacting churches, families, and communities. Well, you know, Tony, throughout this past uh, 15 months, especially with the pandemic, this has been one of our biggest challenges uh, because we are such a large group of churches, a network of churches, some 50,000 congregations across the United States. The the entire nation is operating at different paces in relationship to COVID-19, and therefore it's presented enormous challenges, uh, religious liberty challenges. Uh, what should the church do? Uh, there obviously have probably been some who have wanted to cancel church like they've canceled cult- culture, but the bottom line is, is that the church must live. And uh, the great news is, is that we're on our way out of that, and most of our churches are meeting now, but I'm telling you, we have been through a massive time, and I would just tell all of your folks and your listeners today who are lay people in churches, be sensitive to where your pastors have been. I know everyone has had the stress level. Pastors have had a unique stress level, Tony, and I'm sure y'all have talked about that along the way because it never ends, and the pressure's always on them from the smallest to the biggest things about responding to this crisis that's going on in America. Well, Dr. Floyd, as a as a leader, I know that you're processing this as well, looking back at lessons learned through this pandemic. And as you said, the attacks on religious freedom, churches closing down. Uh, Dr. Harold uh, Koning of Duke University authored a comprehensive review of the research linking religious practices with mental and physical Health. I mean, some of the mental health benefits of religion uh, include, you know, lower levels of depression or, or faster remission from depression, fewer suicide attempts and fewer deaths as a result of suicide, reduced levels of anxiety, and the list goes on and on. The very thing that America needed during the pandemic was put out of reach when our churches were shut down. And and this was a frustrating, anxiety-creating experience for the pastors who wanted to help but could not. What lessons have we learned? Because I, I have to believe we're going to be there once again. Well, Tony, y'all, you know, the Family Research Council is obviously um, uh, a group of people with a deep conviction about churches being essential. Uh, the effectiveness of the Family Research Council is based off of the viability and the livelihood of local churches. And the real challenge that Family Research Council has or any other Christian ministry, as long as you are trying to advance uh, matters like you do, uh, life and liberty and the family and faith, how in the world do you do that uh, if the churches 
are not even meeting. And y'all are always on the front lines of reminding politicians uh, you're, you're dealing with it in relationship to policies when you're able to make a difference and really showing folks, listen, our communities and our cities need our churches. So thank you for what you do on that. And we give God praise for what he has done. But I think really one of the real debates churches are going to have to do in the next uh, two to five years, Tony, we're going to have to decide, do we really believe that we are the church? And if we believe we're the church, then then there are just certain things that all of us had better get ready for because we're in the midst of a of a tidal wave of change in relationship to the viability of what value the churches bring. Dr. Floyd, do you see, I mean, we've seen evidence of it, but do you see persecution coming to the church here in America? I think there's persecution already to a level of, uh, uh, to the churches of America. I'm sure there are especially highlighted areas where that's happened. And again, uh, you know, and I know that's, that's always been true to some degree. Uh, depending on where someone lives and whoever is doing what in that state. But I, I do believe that we could be facing a season. I, I really deeply believe that. Uh, the cost and the price to follow Jesus is going to become greater and greater and greater. And this should not surprise us, Tony. No, I mean, no. you're, you're, you're heroic and always challenging pastors to be courageous. I stand with you on that. And I applaud that and thank God for that because it's going to take courage to even say Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. Mm -hmm. There are not many paths to God. There is one path to God and that path is through Jesus Christ and him alone. You say, well, we're saying that in our church. You may say it in your church, but are you going to be willing to say it in the culture when you're over a lunch meeting or whatever it may be? And, and you know, Tony, this whole thing, our churches are going to be so infiltrated by the culture. If we don't pour into them a biblical worldview, they won't be able to process. Now, wait a minute. You're saying this. You're saying that. And that is the basic theological belief of we have as evangelicals is, is that Christ alone is salvation. I'm telling you, we're already there some in some places in the country, and uh, and that's just that's not even dealing with some of the other major issues that we're going to encounter, that are going to be very difficult, as you know, uh, Tony, to to really to to be able to have Christian men and women in the workplace, the marketplace, getting lay people ready. Uh, who are out there at the front lines of education, the front lines of medical care, the front lines of business across America, and getting them on and ready where they can take a stand and, and be sweet about it and love people. But listen, this is who I am, but this is what I believe, and this is what we believe we need to do. Well, you know, this should not come as a surprise because Jesus said, if you want to follow me, deny yourself. Absolutely. Take up your cross and come after me. And, you know, to, to your point, and I, I think, you know, we, we just have to become so comfortable with the word of God 
and standing right. upon the word of God. Because when, you know, as you said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's not my opinion. Right? That's not my opinion. I'm not providing commentary on that. That's not my opinion. That's what Jesus said. But if I'm going to follow Jesus, then I have to believe what he says. Because if I, if I don't believe what he says, I'm denying who he is. And if I deny him before men, he says he'll deny me before the Father who is in heaven. Yeah, it really comes back, Tony, is what is going to be your authority? And the authority issue is the Bible. The Bible is the authority. If the Bible's not the authority, then what will you chase? Well, let me tell you the way I feel about it. Or let me tell you what I think about it. Or let me give you my opinion through an article I'm going to give. Um or, you know what, what's consensus in America, Tony? Okay? I mean, y'all deal with this every day. And that's one thing I love about the Family Research Council. They're willing to, to deal with these kind of matters. But we must be so committed to a biblical worldview. I, I say this to our pastors all the time, and I think many of them are beginning to get it. We don't need to have cultural conversations alone, Tony. Because those are not going to go anywhere. When we come to the table as Christians, evangelical Christians, uh, whether we're politicians or whether we're preachers or whatever our profession would be, we need to have biblical conversations about, about these cultural issues. Because if we don't, if we don't come in with more authority than our own, <laughs> we're going to be in a we're going to be in a real challenge. And you and I both know there's no win. It's going to further divide rather than unite. And furthermore, it just it, it elevates man. Right. We don't need man elevated. We need God elevated. And Christian men and women are there to proclaim the truth of God and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ and earn the credibility by working hard, being diligent, but also being faithful to the end. You know, Dr. Floyd, I, I think it actually takes the pressure off when we appeal to the authority of Scripture. Because you said, you said it's not it's not my opinion. It's not what I believe. It's not what I feel. It is what God says. And if I'm going yeah. to follow him, I have to believe what he says. So I, right. I, I can't say I'm a follower of Christ and deny what he says. Yeah, I agree totally. I mean, uh, I couldn't agree any more. And, and that, that comes back to this entire issue of, of biblical authority. Um, I'm telling you, I've been in some delicate conversations over the past year. I know you have been in them. Um, these are, these are sensitive matters. Um, but if we don't, if we don't come from it from a biblical perspective, what do we have to offer, Tony? Right. I mean, really. Today's a national day of prayer. If we don't point people to God, come on. <laughs> There's well, no answer in any of those places. You're absolutely right. Um, and we're going to run out of time. I could, we could have this conversation all day because I love talking with you. Uh, but I want to get to this, this final point, and I'm going to ask you to pray for us. The, the reality is, as you said, you see this coming, this persecution coming. We can't wait until it is upon us. Pastors can't wait until it's here. We have to deal with this now. What would you say to those pastors? What do they need to do? I would tell those pastors that they need to seek the Lord diligently every day of their life. They need to speak from him and for him. 
Uh, I would tell them to, to surround themselves with pastors like themselves who have biblical convictions. Get involved deeply with your lay people in your church, uh, building a coalition of support around biblical values and biblical principles. Do not take that for granted because you're the pastor. You better understand when the pressure gets on, the pressure gets on. And it will come from places uh, more perhaps even from the inside than the outside. Because most of us aren't known on the outside. We're known on the inside. And if we're not careful, we're going to be having to navigate through church wars. We don't want to get into church wars. We got to build that coalition around the Bible in your church. And then I would say this, Tony, that's where the value of Christian ministries come. That's where the value of, of denominations come, uh, networks of churches come. The value that they bring to know that, that we're not in this by ourselves, that there's somebody out here standing with me. Somebody believes in this. I'm not crazy. I'm, I, there's a big old group out here who, who believe these things. And thank God for that because I do believe. God's got a mighty army all across the United States. Some may be a little bit asleep, but I think the Lord is calling us unto himself in every way. Well, Dr. Floyd, we are now out of time, but I want to thank you for uh, joining us. Uh, Thank you for your friendship, and thank you for continuing to provide leadership uh, to our nation. Always great to talk with you. Thank you, Tony. God bless. All right, folks, let me encourage you to check out uh, the website, TonyPerkins.com. Also, check out the National Day of Prayer website because uh, tonight there's still a number of events that will be taking place in uh, local communities, and you can join in. If not, get with your family and pray right there for our nation. America needs our prayers. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, found in Ephesians 6, where he says, When you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, And when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 